Bring your additions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world. Amen. Thank you for your singing. I invite you to be seated. It's good to see you. Wake up back there, Aaron. So good to see you. Thank you for being here tonight. It is uh, wonderful to have you with us on this Monday night. This is our third Monday night of our March Monday Night Revival series. And uh, I know that many of you have uh, made the effort to be here each Monday night so far. Thank you for that. I know that uh, there are so many things that uh, can keep us from being here, especially on Monday nights, work and work the next day and all the the schedules that our children and grandchildren have. So for the fact that you're here tonight, I am very, very grateful. Uh, it's good to see you. We want to welcome those of you that are our guests tonight. Thank you for being here and for worshiping with us. Uh, we uh, have one more. Of course, uh, there's four Monday nights in March, so we do have one more Monday night service left after tonight. And uh, next Monday night, Reverend Quintel Hill, uh, he is the pastor at Multiply Church in Monroe, North Carolina. Uh, he's also currently serving as the uh, president of our Baptist State Convention. He's going to be with us to close out our Monday Night March Revival Series. So I hope that you'll make plans to be with us that, uh, that last Monday night as well. Uh, please keep um, our folks in prayer that are sick. We've got a lot of folks that are uh, coronavirus seems to be making its way back around in our area. So there's people fighting COVID and uh, we have others who are uh, having other health issues right now. And so uh, I want to encourage you to pray for them uh, in the days to come and pray for them as we pray together tonight. I want to uh, lead us in a word of prayer and then we're going to um, continue with our time of praise and worship together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this house of worship. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to assemble as the body of Christ on a Monday evening. Knowing, Lord, that there's so many things that uh, could be going on right now, claiming our attention, but that you have called us here. And I thank you for each one who has answered that call. We do pray for those of our church and our community that are hurting, that are suffering, those that are battling illnesses and viruses, others who are uh, facing uh, diseases and battling those uh, along the way. Lord, we pray for them and we ask you, God, to be with them tonight. Uh, we pray for, for Miss Shirley's family and, and losing her brother. Lord, we pray for all of those who may be grieving tonight. Lord, tonight we have come for one reason and one reason only, and that is to exalt the name of Jesus Christ above every name. Because, Lord, we know that if we've assembled for any other reason than to bring glory and to proclaim praise to our King, Jesus Christ, then we have gathered in vain. So we offer this time to you, Lord. We pray that you move in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that our 
for this time that we have together, that our hearts and our minds are going to be turned heavenward, that our hearts are open to receive that that which you have for us tonight, but Lord, also that we've come to give something, and that is to give you our praise. So guide us in our time together is our prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
thank you again for being here tonight. It is indeed a pleasure to have you with us uh, tonight. Uh, our speaker is uh, very familiar to uh, all of us here in that uh, me and him were talking just a few moments ago. I believe this is the fifth year 
uh, that we've done the Monday night series, and Brother Mike has been a part of each one of those uh, Monday night series of revivals. I've known Brother Mike now. Well, I will have married my wife 38 years ago come this May, and I think we met somewhere about that same time. Uh, so uh known uh, Preacher Mike longer than I've been in the ministry, and part of my ordination council uh, has been a mentor to me, has been a, a dear friend, uh, and I think he, there's a lot of us in this room that can say that about Brother Mike. So uh, I am uh, honored tonight that he has come to uh, preach to us as we go through our third night of revival. So Brother Mike Whitson, who is the senior pastor of uh, First Baptist Church of Indian Trail, you come, brother, and preach as God has laid upon your heart and close as you see fit. Good evening. It's good to be here in uh, the Lord's house tonight, especially at uh, First Baptist in Locust. Uh, I, I, I did ask uh, Tom a few minutes ago, uh, how, how many years have we been doing this? And uh, five years, and I remember every one, and each year has been so very, very special. Uh, you're, you're an easy place to preach. And, uh, and the reason that makes it easy is because you love the Word of God. And you can tell when you are with people, uh, you don't have to be there but a minute or two, and uh, you uh, discover uh, if there is that hunger for the Word. And this has always been one of those places that I know hungers for the Word of God. And it speaks so well of your pastor that I have loved for all of these years. He and his family uh, are very special and dear uh, to us. And uh, grateful once again, brother, for the opportunity. Now, before I get started, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to a few of you before the service about uh, our television program. You, uh, how many of you watch every once in a while? Uh, on, well, good, a lot, most of you. Um, so I got good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Oh, you want the good news first. All right. The good news is, is that we have... Uh, signed a contract with WCCB, I believe that's Channel 18, and uh, the bad news is the Hickory Station has been bought out by another ministry, and we'll no longer be on that Hickory Station, uh, but uh, we have a, a, a good uh, opportunity at WCCB at noon on Sundays. Now, that's not the best time slot in the world, uh, but at least we got our foot in the door, and hopefully we'll get a better time slot a little bit later on, but uh, uh, I don't know how much longer we'll be allowed on WHKY, uh, but just know that we appreciate your support, appreciate you watching the program, and maybe spread the word for us a little bit. Um, I, I take COVID, uh, as bad as it was, had some good things about it. Number one is uh, we uh, found out that there are a lot of people that watch our program, and we've tried to make it better, and uh, got some of the folks, matter of fact, that work in that department that are with us tonight, and uh, grateful for you. And uh, anyway, that's enough about the commercial, to just thank you for your support. Pray for us as we make that transition 
I, I just hate the thoughts of maybe we're losing some people that are unable to go to church. That's why we put it on there. It's a ministry to those that are not able uh, to go and to fellowship. And we're hearing from a lot of those people uh, right now. So uh, just thought I'd throw that out to you and uh, let you know we uh, we appreciate you and thank the Lord for the opportunity that he's given us to be uh, on television. Now, if you have your Bibles, that's one of the things I, I set out in the car for about 10 minutes a few minutes ago, and I watched you come in, and it's so refreshing to see people uh, carrying their Bibles. And so you take your Bible, if you will, and look with me to Romans chapter number 15, whether it's in book form or whether it's in electronic form, uh, to Romans chapter 15. I preached this message a couple of weeks ago at uh, First Baptist and uh, just felt like, man, what an opportunity that this would be tonight to kind of share with you where God has us as a fellowship at Indian Trail and encourage you in this role as well. Um, so in 1970, I was in Colleen, Texas. Um, I was in the Army at Fort Hood. Um, March of that year. And so my wife said to me, I want to go to church. I said, all right, we'll go to church. Not used to doing that, but uh, I'll go with you. I'll do. We had just been married less than a month. And uh, I, I, I would have done anything to have pleased her and made her happy. So making her happy to go to church. I said, I'll be glad to do that. And so uh, we went to church. The second Sunday that I was there was April the 12th. And uh, I prayed to receive Jesus that day, and my life has never been the same since. God gloriously transformed me. I lost two-thirds of my vocabulary that day. And uh, my taste for beverages changed dramatically. And uh, anyway, salvation is a life-changing event. And, and let me just say to you, if your life has never been changed by the power of God, in all probability, you've never been saved. Right after that, the janitor of the church resigned and they approached me and asked me if I would serve in that capacity. So my very first ministry ever was cleaning toilets in the church. And I want to tell you, I determined, my wife and I determined that uh, Eastside Baptist Church on Ransier Avenue would have the cleanest bathrooms, the shiniest floor, and the cleanest facility in, in, in anywhere in clean. And we worked hard to make it happen. I was out in the yard one day and humming or whistling or singing. Minister Music said to me, he said, uh, man, said, why don't you come and join the choir? And, and it wasn't long after that until uh, he asked Kathy and I to sing. And so our second ministry in the body of Christ was in the area of music. We did that for a year in Colleen, Texas. Got out of service and the last place we wanted to be was in my wife's little home church in Marietta, South Carolina. You say, why didn't you want to go there? Well, it was a family-run church. Can I get a witness from anybody in here what... Do you understand what I mean by family-run church? Well, we went there, and the choir director, that's what she was called. Actually, uh, a better term was back then, was she was the song leader. And uh, the song leader was about 80 years old, and 
she said, you know, Mike, I, I, I don't need to be doing this anymore. And, and so I'm going to resign. And they asked me then if I would be the song leader. Now, there wasn't but about 35, 40 people in the whole church. And I said, well, I'll do the best I can. Wasn't long in my third ministry in serving God that we had more people in the choir than we had out there sitting listening to people. Wasn't long after that, I was selling carpet at Sears for a living. God began to deal with me. He said, Mike, you're doing a good job. I said, thank you. A little while later, he said, Mike, you're doing a good job, but I've got something else for you. I said, okay, whatever. And and, and a little while after that, he said, Mike, you're doing a good job. I've got something else for you. I want you to preach my word. I said, absolutely. My fourth ministry in the kingdom of God was preaching the Bible. And I've been doing it as faithfully as I know how since 1976. Uh, I'll be in my 40th year at First Baptist Indian Trail next month. And we'll finish that up uh, in 40 years. I'm not finishing don't, don't, don't spread any rumors now. I'm not retiring. I'm just finishing 40 years. You say, when are you going to retire? I don't find it anywhere in the Word of God. Uh, now, he may assign me another ministry somewhere along the way, but I don't intend to quit ever quit preaching uh, God's Word. Now, the Apostle Paul is winding down his ministry. He's been serving God so faithfully. And uh, he has written it all down in the book of Romans. He starts out by giving us some major doctrinal studies. He talked about the lostness of man. And he talked about how that man needed to be saved. And he gave that plan of salvation. And then he talked about sanctification. Then he talked about growing and developing in your walk with God. And from that uh, he went on to talk about the nation of Israel and, and their place in history. And then before he finishes up, he asks all of us this question. What is our role in ministry? Now, I look across this congregation tonight and I see a lot of gray hairs and blue hairs and no hairs. And, and, I, and I got a word for you. I believe this is what God sent me here for tonight. And it's simply this. God is not done with you yet. You ever ask the question, well, you know, God, if saving me uh, was to get me ready to go to heaven, why didn't I just go on to heaven the very minute that I got saved? It's because God has a plan for your life. God has a ministry for you to fulfill, and God's not finished with you yet, or he would have already carried you to heaven. So I come to you tonight asking you the question, what ministry do you have in the body of Christ? What are you doing for the glory of Jesus? How are you serving him? What's his call on your life that you've said yes to and now are obediently serving in? Let's review a few minutes. Paul's ministry, if I could. You know, when I got to Indian Trail in 1983, um, boy, God just blessed. We were having tons of people saved every week. 
I baptized more people in the first six months at Indian Trail than the previous six years combined in two churches. And then a little while after that, some of the older heads got a little bit concerned that, you know, there's a lot of new people around. There's a lot of faces that we don't recognize. And, you know, preacher, we need to slow down on this evangelism stuff. And, and, and we need to concentrate on discipleship. And, you know, everywhere I've ever been, every pastor I've ever talked to, at some point in their ministry, faced that controversy. Uh, matter of fact, it's a controversy in the Southern Baptist Convention as I speak. Evangelism versus discipleship. Discipleship versus evangelism. Which is the most important? Evangelism or discipleship? Yes. It's two sides of the same coin. How in the world can you ever disciple somebody that's lost? Uh, the first area that you got to get into, and that was Paul's ministry. His first, by the way, can I just say a word to you? It ought to be the first ministry of every church. It ought to be the first ministry of every born-again believer. It's not the only ministry of the church, but it ought to be the first ministry of the church. And Paul says, my first ministry is to the lost. Now, pick it up with me in verse 14, if you will. And uh, Paul is relating this to us. He says, and I myself am persuaded, I'm in Romans 15 and verse 14, I am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ. What's the next phrase? To the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, you understand, Paul was the first to share the good news with these Gentile people. And, and, and they're lost people. And, and he was sharing the gospel. And he said, you know, I know that it's not popular in Jerusalem for me to be doing what I am doing. But that's my first responsibility. And, and Jesus told uh, the disciples over there in Matthew chapter number 10 and verses 5 and 6. And he was sending out the disciples. And he said to all of the disciples, now guys, listen, uh, I want you to go bear the good news to everybody but the Gentiles. Don't tell them. Uh, you keep that away from them. I just want you going to the lost sheep of Israel. And nobody else. Then in Romans chapter 1, Paul was writing. And he says that it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first. By the way, I, I, that, that's something that has just rolled over in my head and in my heart for so long that we don't have a ministry to the Jewish nation and uh, we're going to fix that at, at First Baptist Church. And then uh, after his ascension, here's what he said. He said to the disciples, he said, uh, I want you to go in Jerusalem, in Judea, into Samaria, and then into the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's what he said. He said, I want you to start out there in Locust. 
And, and, and then I want you to spread just a little bit over into Cabarrus County and all over the region around here. And then from there, I want you to go to the neighboring counties and then all over the state of North Carolina, all over the United States, until you have reached as far as you can reach across this world with the gospel. But we're to start right where God has planted us. And then the turning point came for Paul over there in Acts chapter 18. And I want you to listen carefully as I begin reading in verse number 5 at that turning point in his life. He says, and when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And when they opposed them and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and he said unto them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clean. From henceforth I will go to the Gentiles. He said to the Jews, he said, If that's the way you feel about it, then you can have it. Uh, if that's how you're going to treat the gospel, I'll go to somebody that will receive the gospel. And he then ended, and Simon Peter became the apostle to the Jews, and the apostle Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. But then, in verses 22 and 23, uh, he makes a little bit of step change. He says, okay, I'm going to preach the gospel first. But then watch this in verse 22. He said, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Now, powerful statement, powerful words. And, and, and I want to make this statement before I leave here tonight. And I may say it again uh, before the service is over. The more you grow and mature in your faith in Jesus, the more you ought to care about your brothers and sisters in Christ. The acid test to how much you love Jesus is how much you love each other. And the more you love Jesus, you can't help but to love one another. And he says to the Gentiles, he says to them, now I'm going to collect an offering from you. And then I'm going back to Jerusalem and I'm going to take that offering. And, and it's going to be at great expense to me because that crowd back there in Jerusalem, they're not happy that I am out here with the Gentiles preaching the gospel and they really want to take my life from me, but I am committed to show and to demonstrate my love to them by carrying this offering. They're in bad shape. They're in poverty. They're hurting economically. And he says to the Gentiles, you wouldn't have the gospel had they not sent me. And now they need you. So he said, I'm so committed. It doesn't matter if they kill me. I'm just going to show them how much I love them. And so he's going to take that offering. The message that he gave, it's very simple. His proclamation is in verse 16. Watch this with me. In verse 16, he says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the good news, the gospel 
of God. What was his purpose? Notice in verse 17, he says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ. I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to bring glory to God. Now notice verse 19 is the phenomena that is around it. You looked at his proclamation. You looked at his purpose. Look at the phenomenon in verse 19. Through mighty signs and wonders done by the power of the Spirit of God. Let, let me tell you. Let, let, watch this. Watch this. He, he didn't send out to the Gentiles and say to them, Hey, y'all, if you'll send me a hundred bucks, I'll give you a little vial of this holy water that I prayed over and it's sanctified. And if you get that little bottle of water with that hundred dollars that you're going to send me, I'll send it to you and you can rub it on your hurts and you'll all get healed. He didn't say, hey guys, send me a hundred dollars and I got this prayer cloth that, that I've wiped the sweat off of my face with while I've been in prayer. And it's such a miraculous piece of cloth. I'll cut you off a little piece of that and send it to you so you could have this prayer cloth. He didn't say any of that stuff. He didn't need any of that stuff. Why? Because God says, my Holy Spirit is all over him. And he's filled with the Spirit of God. And he's filled with the power of God. Notice where he was doing it. Latter part of verse 19. The place was from Jerusalem, round about Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So he said it started out in Jerusalem. We went up through Turkey and over to Greece. And then we made our way up into the, what is now the Albanian Peninsula. He said that's where we went. What was his process? Watch this in verse 20. Yea, so I have strive to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Let me, let me just say to you, he was the pioneer of church planting. And he said, I'm not going to go somewhere where there's a church on every corner and rob somebody else's ministry. Building on his foundation, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to go somewhere where the gospel has not been heard. I, I want to tell you folks, I have a real problem with church planning in some fashions today. When they will send people into your church. Now this has happened to us. This is not something I've read about. It's from experience. They'll send people into your church to develop relationships within your fellowship and then all of a sudden they'll say, hey, you know what? Let's go over here and start our own church. And they'll pull people out of your fellowship. Paul says, I don't want to do that. I want to go somewhere where they've never heard the gospel. Into a pioneer area. We've done that many times. We went into the Pacific Northwest about 25 years ago. Uh, a darkest area really in the United States. And you saw evidence of that in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you've seen it on television and rampant. And we went up and for about three years we didn't do anything but just encourage the saints that were already there and strengthen them in their walk with God. And then we came alongside some young men who felt led to go into that area and to plant a church where the gospel was not heard. And we came alongside and we planted about 20 churches 
in the Portland, Oregon area, not stealing members from another church, but just to develop into an area that had never heard the gospel. That's what Paul is talking about here. The same principles that Paul used are exactly the same principles that people need today to follow in their walk with God. Let me just tell you about this. Tom, this is something I believe with all of my heart. I hope and pray that I'm communicating my heart. I quit starting ministries in a church. I quit saying, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. And go find me somebody that can do that job and give them a job description and get out of the way and expect them to do it. I just quit doing that. I found out that something that works a whole lot better than that. And that is to depend on the Holy Spirit of God to burden somebody in the church for a particular task and a particular ministry. And then they expose what it is that God has called them to do and then come alongside them and help equip them to do what God has called them to do. I wonder, is there anybody I'm speaking to tonight that God is speaking to you and drawing you and tugging on your heart that there is a ministry that God could use you to do? That, that, that's what Paul is talking about right here. My key verse is verse 14 that we've already read. I want you to, I want you to, and, and listen, listen. I believe with all of my heart your pastor would tell you this tonight. Watch it, let's read it again. Paul says, I'm convinced. And I'm also convinced tonight is, as your visiting preacher, I'm convinced that First Baptist Church in Locust is full of goodness and filled with knowledge and able to instruct and to teach. I, I believe with all of my heart, there's enough people sitting under the sound of my voice that God has already put so much of himself into you that you have the knowledge, you have the training, you have the goodness that's already in you that he just wants to pull out of you that enough to turn this whole community upside down for Jesus. Without a doubt. He says you're full of goodness. And you got so much knowledge and experience that you could pour what God has given to you into the lives of other people. Now, Paul then begins to give an example of his ministry. I hope you got a pen and a paper and you'd write this down because I believe it's something that God could use you for as well. The first thing that I see with Paul is that his ministry was founded on the grace of God. Watch this in verse number 15 again. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Hear, hear me a minute. If you're sensing that maybe God is up to something in your life that he's not done with you yet, that there's a ministry for you to be involved in, you understand that ministry is not achieved, ministry is received by the grace of God. I, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when I, 
When I was there in Colleen, Texas, when I was in Marietta, South Carolina, when I was at Sears in Greenville, South Carolina, I didn't choose any of those ministries. Those ministries chose me. I wasn't looking to preach. Certainly wasn't looking to clean toilets. Had no idea about music. Knew nothing about it. Ministry chose me. It's not achieved. It's received. Just like Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. That you should go forth and that you would bear much fruit. God's choosing you. I I, I preached this message, I don't know, two or three weeks ago at church. Gave the invitation and old boy sitting right over here on my left, he came down on the invitation and, and he said, Preacher, I sat there and I listened to your sermon this morning and, and, and I, I was filled with a hundred excuses as to why I couldn't do what God's calling me to do. And, and, and I, I guarantee you it's going to happen here tonight if it hasn't already happened. You're saying, well, I'm too old or I'm too young. Uh, I've got too many faults in my life. I, I I'm still have sin that I'm wrestling with in my life. And one excuse after another as to why you're not involved in ministry and why you won't get involved in ministry. Hey, do you know that God knew every dumb thing that I would ever do before he ever called me? I could stand here for an hour and tell you all of the stupid things that came out my mouth while I'm preaching. And God still said, I want you to preach. He knew every crazy decision that I would ever make that would go awry long before he ever called me to preach. Excuses. You understand, it's not about you. It's not about me. That ministry is founded on the grace of God. You got to remind yourself, by the way, those of you that do serve and are serving, you got to remind yourself every once in a while, I'm not doing this because I'm a good person. I'm doing it because of the grace of God. Hey, if God required perfect people, nothing would ever get done. Number two, founded on God's grace, formed on God's word. Watch this in verse 16. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the word of God, the gospel of God. May I say to you that any ministry that is going to last and to bear fruit is not built on a person's personality. It's not building, it's not, it's not built on buildings and locations and popularity and certainly not on slick advertising and marketing. If it's going to last, It's going to be built and based and formed on the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, I worry about a lot of ministries today that have deviated from the Word of God and are afraid and timid and shy to preach the Word of God because of what the Word may offend somebody about. I could stop right there for a while and preach. All right, number three. Not only founded on God's grace and formed by God's word, it functions for God's glory. 
Watch this in verse 17. Are y'all still with me? If you are, say amen. Y'all kind of quiet around here tonight. All right. I have therefore whereof I may glory in and through Jesus Christ. In those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of the things which Christ hath not wrought by me. To make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. I. Can I say something very candidly here? Church, be careful about television ministries. I've been around a minute. I've been around a minute. And what I'm seeing now is not the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing egos. Be careful. You say, well, Paul had a major ego. You're right. Six times in the scripture, he said, follow my example. Follow my example. Look at me. Follow my example. Well, let me just tell you what he said. He said, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And that's a whole lot better than a lot of people are doing. And since I'm trying to follow Jesus, then follow my example. By the way, you're going to follow somebody's model. You're going to follow a good model or you're going to follow a bad model. If you don't believe that, look at the teenagers of our day. Look at the young adults of who they're following and who their models and who their heroes are. You're going to follow somebody's model. And, and, and Paul says, I'm trying. At least I'm trying. I know that I am the chiefest of all sinners. But by the way, I was there holding the coats while Stephen was murdered. I'm not perfect. Got a long way to go. But I'm trying. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not everything I want to be. By the grace of God, I will be. Let me give you the fourth one. Fueled by God's power. Watch this in verse 19. Though mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. All right. Here, here's another one of those observations that I want to make with you right now, if you let me. I know it's a little cliche. I understand that. That does not diminish the truth of it. I am convinced with all of my heart that if the rapture were to take place between now and Sunday morning, most churches would carry on church business on Sunday as normal. Why is that? Because they're operated on the flesh and not by the Spirit of God. Not fueled by the Spirit of God. Too many people today are determining it there and judging their fruitfulness by the size of their budgets and by the numbers of attendees. That ought not to be. I want you to understand something. The real measurement 
of whether a church is bearing fruit or not is found in the numbers of lives that have been changed and the numbers of marriages that have been healed and the, the addictions that have been overcome. That's when you determine that the Spirit... By the way, man can't do that. Fueled by God's Spirit, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches... He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Zechariah says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So it's fueled. If you're going to have an effective ministry, it's got to have the power of God on it. And then number five, you say, how many of these do you have? I have 46. So we're going to be here a little while. <laughs> number five, it's fashioned... By God's plan. Watch this in verse 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he shall, he was not spoken of. They shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. Now here's Paul's strategy. He says, I, I want to carry the word of God to a place that hasn't heard the word of God. And he would go into a place like Philippi, which was a major crossroads uh, in the world at that time, where it was a huge commerce city. And people would come there and they would trade and they would hear and be aware of the gospel while they were there and they would spread it all over the known world. America, regardless of how we want to describe it today, America is still one of the most influential nations in the world. And our culture comes, unfortunately, unfortunately, comes from west to east, comes from California. Uh, to the East Coast. That trend is there. That's why we went into Portland, Oregon, because we wanted to stop that trend, and we wanted to put the gospel like Paul did. Watch this in verse 23. He says, But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years uh, to come unto you. And, and he says in verse 24, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. He said, my final destination is not Rome. You already got the word of God in Rome. I want to carry the gospel to Spain. And I'm just coming by you for a little while to take up an offering so that you could help me plant the church there in Spain. What are, you, what are you saying, preacher? He had intentionality. He had a process. He had a plan in place. When I was a young preacher, I had a bunch of older preachers tell me, hey, you need to quit doing, doing all this studying and preparing and putting notes down and all. Just get up there behind the, ta- the, the desk and the Holy Ghost will give you what you need to say. And I, I'm going to tell you, that's a bunch of hogwash. You gotta have a plan. That, that old adage that we used to have when I first started in the ministry, if you plan to fail, you can, uh, if, if you fail to plan, you can plan to fail. It's still true. I, I want to tell you now, there are a lot of preachers out there. I'm 73 years old. 
I know that shocked you. I saw the utter amazement on your face when I said that. I understand that. I'm 73 years old. And, and there's a lot of preachers that work harder than I do. A lot of them work harder than I do. But they don't ever get anything done. Because they don't work very smart. And they don't have a plan in place. They don't have a vision. That's why the word says without a vision, the people will perish. You've got to have a plan. If you're going to have an effective ministry. And then the sixth thing. It gets gooder. It's funded by God's people. It's funded by God's people. Paul mentions two ways that the Romans could participate in his ministry. The first thing that he said is that you need to pray for me, and and then you need to help me financially in this. He says, you know, the gospel came out of Jerusalem, and it got up here to you. And the only reason that you have the gospel is because they sacrificed so that you could hear the good news. Now then, there's famine back in Jerusalem. Uh, There's depression in Jerusalem. The church back there is suffering. And and you owe it to them. You're a debtor to them to meet their needs. And so he's going to take up that offering and carry it back to Jerusalem. I heard about a pastor who was uh, in the little country church and he was preaching one Sunday night and he said... uh, We've been sitting on our bottoms way too long. It's time for the church to walk. And the church shouted back, Let her walk, preacher, let her walk. And he said, We don't need to be satisfied with walking. The church needs to run. The church needs to run. And the church said, Let her run, preacher, let her run. He said, oh, but we don't need to get satisfied with running. We need to fly, church. We need to fly. And the church said, let her fly, preacher, let her fly. And the preacher said, you know, uh, flying costs uh, money. you got to buy gas. And the church said, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. (laughs) Mm. But then he said in verse 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you, pray that I'll come to you with the joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I I can't speak for Dr. Ross. But I have it. I, I think I know him well enough to be able to say to you, do you know that the best thing you can do for your pastor, the thing that will put a smile on his face probably quicker than anything, is for you to be able to genuinely and authentically put your hand in his hand and say to him, Pastor, 
I pray for you. I pray for you. Church, would you be different? Would you not be ordinary? Because the ordinary church sees and hears passages and sermons like this. And what goes through their mind is, well, he's talking to the church staff. He's talking to the preachers. He's talking to the ministers. And that's so far from the truth. Remember the verse I told you? You're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and you are able to pour what God has entrusted to you into the lives of other people. God did not leave you here to occupy a pew. He said, I've let you go through everything that you've gone through. I have poured the word of God into you. I have entrusted to you all of the knowledge and the experiences, not just for you to store them up in your life, but to spread it to other people. Three years ago, I went through one of the most devastating things I've ever gone through, probably will ever go through. When my beautiful, intelligent personality all over the place, 21-year-old grandson, died of an overdose in the bedroom of my house. I got angry at God. I said, how am I supposed to preach on prayer when you didn't answer mine? I asked you. Never asked you for anything. But I begged you. Deliver it. And you didn't do it. Got really angry at God. Finally said, okay, God, you be God. I'm still angry. You be God. Your ways are not my ways. They're past finding out. You see the past as the future and the future as the present and everything in between. I'm not God. You are. But here's what your word says. That you would take that as bad as it is. God, you know I love you and you know that I've been called. And so, God, I'm just going to wait now and I'm going to see how you're going to take this bad thing. And you're going to blend it in with some other things and you're going to get glory from it. And so, God, I'm ready. You said that you allowed me to go through these experiences so that I could touch the lives of other people along the way. And I've watched him for three years. And you folks can testify with me. We started Cameron's House of Hope. And we're ministering to children 12 and under who have addictive mamas and daddies who are in prison or dead or have abandoned their kids. And we're pouring into their life and we're watching God do some amazing, amazing things. I'm just telling you, 
God let you go through what you went through so that he could use you as long as you are here. Would you stand with me? Pastor, why don't you stand right here in front, please? Would you do that for me? Um, Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Would you just be open to the Holy Spirit? Would you just be open to His leadership? And would you just say, you know what, I'm not actively involved in a ministry right now, but I'm available. God, I'm available. And whatever you want to do in me and through me between now and the time that you call me home, I want you to leave where you're standing right now and just come put your hand in this pastor's hand and then turn right around and go right back to your seat. And by doing that, you're saying to the Lord, you're saying to this church, and you're agreeing with God, (laughs) I want God to use me as long as I'm living. Who'll be first right now? Who'll be first? Who'll be second? I'm open to whatever ministry that God wants me to be involved in. Brother Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here tonight and sharing God's word with us. And thank you for prayers that uh, you have been blessed by what you've heard tonight, that you've been challenged by what you've heard tonight. Uh, My prayer is that whatever it is God's calling you to do, that you'll step out of that comfort zone and be willing to do just that.
That's my prayer. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, over the years, uh, and I think Preacher Mike, I think every pastor I've ever known has done this. We've tried so hard to do things just to watch them kind of like a, almost like a firecracker. They light up and they're real bright and then boom and they're gone. But here's what I learned a long time ago. Well, I can say a long time ago. I've learned in the past few years that when it's God's time and God's people, he'll bring that person up. And that's what will take place. And we've seen that in the last several months at First Baptist Locust. But I can't help but believe that there's still more to be done. That God's waiting on someone to step forward and say, I'm that one that God's calling to lead that. I'm the one that God's calling to step out on that. So I want to encourage you to be obedient to his calling. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. Uh, Don't forget that next Monday night will be our final Monday night, and that will be with Reverend Quintel Hill. He'll be here at 7 o'clock. I want to invite you to be back with us for that last uh, revival service. And I look forward to seeing you then. So let's close with a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for allowing us to be challenged tonight from your word. That, Lord, we can't point to the preacher and say, well, he did it. We, we can only look into the mirror that is the word of God and know that it was you, Lord, that called us tonight. It was you that challenged us tonight, that by the power of your word and through the power of your spirit, Lord, you are the one who issued the call that went forth from this pulpit. Lord, I thank you for those who have been, have been so faithful to serve down through the years. Thank you that they have embraced what you've called them to do, and they do it, Lord, not because they... Uh, They feel that they are uh, having to do it, but they do it joyfully because it's their privilege and pleasure to serve the master. But, Lord, there's still others that have yet to enter into that ministry that you've called them to. Lord, maybe it's a brand-new ministry, something they've never done before. How I pray, God, that you give them the courage and the faith to step forward. So, Lord, as we go from this place tonight, we go with that challenge and that call upon our life. It is now ours to decide what we're going to do with. We are forever accountable for the call that we've been given. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. And we ask you, Lord, to dismiss us tonight with your great love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.